Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 28th of November 2010, entitled Spiritual Reality or Stagnant Religion. And the Bible readings are taken from Jeremiah chapter 29 verses 4 to 14 and Matthew chapter 15 verses 7 to 20. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. I'd like to open your Bibles for our scripture reading to the book of Jeremiah. And we'll be looking in chapter 29. Once you found it, just put your finger there and turn over into the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 15. Turn back to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 29, and I invite you to stand with me to honor the reading of God's Word beginning in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 4. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Build ye houses and dwell in them, and plant gardens, and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters. And take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands that they may hear sons and daughters that ye may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city, whether I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which ye cause to be dreamed, for they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, that after 70 years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord. And I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Now in the gospel of Matthew chapter 15, beginning in verse 7, Jesus Christ himself speaking, ye hypocrites, well did Esaias prophesy of you saying, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. And he called the multitude and said unto them, Hear and understand. Not that which goeth into the mouth defileth a man, but that which cometh out of the mouth, this defileth a man. Then came his disciples and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Pharisees were offended after they heard this saying? But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father hath not planted shall be rooted up. Let them alone. 
They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. Then answered Peter and said unto him, Declare unto us this parable. And Jesus said, Are ye also yet without understanding? Do not ye yet understand that whatsoever entereth in at the mouth goeth into the belly and is cast down into the drought? But those things which proceed out of the mouth cometh from the heart, and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashing hands defileth not a man. Father, we thank you again for our time that we have together this evening. For each one that has come out and is a part of this service this evening, thank you for your word that we have just read from, for your spirit, Lord, that is here with us that can take and make these words alive. And Father, we pray that you would speak to our hearts this evening. You know every individual here. You know the need of their heart. And Father, we pray that you would meet that need this evening as only you can through the power of your spirit and your word. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. A simple thought this evening, and I'll be giving you a number of scripture verses as we look and see what the word of God says about this subject. The thought being spiritual reality or stagnant religion. Now, most of us know what a stagnant pool or a stagnant pond, a stagnant body of water looks like and what it smells like. It's there, but it's dead. Nothing can live in it. We find that I believe that we live in a day when so much of what is called Christianity is really nothing more than stagnant religion. It has all of the dressings, but there's nothing alive there. It's like Jesus described those whitened sepulchers with dead bones on the inside. They're just a bunch of graves, but nothing lives. In Jeremiah chapter 29 that we just read, we're going to take our text from verse 13, and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. A short verse, a simple verse. But may I say this evening, a profound verse, if it were truly put to work in our lives. In Jeremiah chapter 29, we see the children of Israel. And of course, they've suffered for their sins and they've been led into captivity. We find that they're in need of a God that is real. They need spiritual reality and not just a dead, stagnant religion. Too many of the folks we know today, that's all the experience that they have with quote-unquote Christianity. It's not something that is spiritually alive. It's not something that is, that is real. It is something that is stagnant. We find that I'm certain in your day-to-day -day walk and life just as me, you come across a lot of people that are genuinely searching for a God that's real, genuinely searching for spiritual reality. 
And of course, many times they look in many, many different places and often the wrong places. But they know about religion. They may take part in religion. They may go along to churches, good or bad, week after week. But still, there's nothing really spiritually real in their lives. God isn't real and tangible to them. It's just something that they know about. Oh, they believe that he's there. They may even have a certain amount of respect for him. But he's not real in their life every day. In Matthew chapter 15, Jesus isn't pulling any punches. <laughs> Matter of fact, they got quite offended when he told them they were just a bunch of hypocrites. <laughs> Jesus said, the blind leading the blind, they're all just going to fall in the ditch. And that's exactly what these religious crowd was doing. They were just the blind leading the blind. Jesus is making it clear to them that religion in itself is not sufficient. That all of their religious deeds and all of their good deeds and all of their good works, it just isn't enough to experience spiritual reality. As a matter of fact, he points out very clearly to them there just as it's pointed out in Jeremiah 29 that it really is a matter of of the heart. It really is a matter of the heart. Now, I want to ask you two questions, and I want to try to answer them simply as we look into God's Word this evening. You see, I don't know how real that God is in your life. I don't really want to know how much religion you've got. I don't really want to know how many religious things you go through and how many times you go to church and how many religious things you do. I'm asking you this evening to look at your heart and to be honest. How real is God in your life right now? Are you experiencing spiritual reality or just stagnant religion? The first question, where and how do we search for the reality of God? for a God that's real, for spiritual reality. Where do we search for it and how do we go about it? Well, if you look just a bit further back from our scripture reading in Jeremiah, look back into Jeremiah chapter 3 with me. Jeremiah chapter 3, I want us just to simply answer this question. You see, when this service comes to a close this evening, only you know how real that you want God to be in your life. But I want to show you in God's Word where you can search for that reality and how you can search for that reality and what you'll find if you do it God's way. First of all, in Jeremiah chapter 3, notice what he says beginning in verse 6. He says, The Lord said also unto me in the days of Josiah the king, Hast thou seen that which backsliding Israel hath done? She has gone up upon every high mountain and under every green tree, and there hath played the harlot. And I said after she had done all these things, 
Turn thou unto me. But she returned not. And her treacherous sister Judah saw it. And I saw when for all the causes whereby backsliding Israel committed adultery, I had put her away and given her a bill of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister Judah feared not, but went and played the harlot also. It came to pass through the likeness of her whoredom that she defiled the land and committed adultery with stones and with stocks. And yet for all this, her treacherous sister Judah hath not turned unto me with her whole heart, but feignedly saith the Lord. And the Lord said unto me, The backsliding Israel hath justified herself more than treacherous Judah. Go and proclaim these words toward the north and say, Return, thou backsliding Israel, saith the Lord, and I will not cause mine anger to fall upon you. For I am merciful, saith the Lord, and I will not keep anger forever. Only acknowledge thine iniquity, that thou hast transgressed against the Lord thy God, and hast scattered thy ways to the strangers unto every green tree, and ye have not obeyed my voice, saith the Lord. Turn, O backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you, and I will take you one of a city and two of a family, and I will bring you to Zion, and I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. You see, if I ask you this question, the reason that God is not real in many people's lives, it's not just the lost world. I'm saying that many Christians, many that are saved, many that have genuinely been born again, they're caught up in stagnant religion rather than spiritual reality because just as Israel and Judah here, they have backslidden. You know, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about being backslidden this evening. You know what it is. The simple truth is this. Has there ever been a time in your Christian life when God has been more real to you, when you've been closer to God than you are right here this evening? If so, you're backslidden. You've moved back from where you were in that relationship. We find that too many today talk a religious talk, just as the Pharisees were that Jesus was talking to but in fact, just as Israel and Judah, they have turned away from the very God that's given them salvation. They often wonder why there's no reality to their spiritual life. Why did it all seem so stagnant? What do we do? How can God be more real to us? Well, according to this passage here, folks, it takes more than words. Israel had learned how to say the right words, but he said it was just feignedly. It was something that they were not doing genuinely from the heart. It was just automatic, the religious part of it. Lip service isn't enough. You can talk about being a Christian. You can talk about living godly lives. You can talk about doing all of these things. There's only one way that if you are farther away from God than you've ever been before, there's only one way that you're going to find your way, and that's by turning back. This is the message that he keeps giving to them here. 
You must make another turn. You must turn to God with a whole heart. Because if you're away from God and he's not real to you, then if you're not careful, you keep going the wrong way. But God can't be real when you're going the other direction. So where and how do we search for the reality of God? Well, first of all, may I encourage you that if that reality is not there because that you have made a turn with your life and you're not really where you ought to be with God, then the first thing that you must do is repent and turn back and turn back to God just as the nation of Israel was commanded to do here. Notice with me another passage. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 33. Ezekiel, chapter 33. And I'd like to begin reading in verse 23. The Word of God says, Then the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, they that inhabit those wastes of the land of Israel speak, saying, Abraham was one, and he inherited the land, but we are many. The land is given us for inheritance. Wherefore say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Ye eat with the blood, and lift up your eyes toward your idols, and shed blood, and shall ye possess the land? Ye stand upon your sword, ye work abomination, and ye defile everyone his neighbor's wife, and shall ye possess the land? Say thou thus unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, As I live, surely they that are in the waste shall fall by the sword, and him that is in the open field will I give to the beast to be devoured, and they that be in the forts and in the caves shall die of their pestilence. Boy, that doesn't sound like a very nice God. Well, you see, that's what sin brings, is judgment. He says, For I will lay the land most desolate, and the pomp of her strength shall cease, and the mountains of Israel shall be desolate, that none shall pass through. If we can even begin to grasp and understand how horrible that sin is to that holy God that we sing about, how awful that sin is. He says, Then shall they know that I am the Lord when I have laid the land most desolate because of all their abominations which they have committed. Also thou son of man, the children of thy people still are talking against thee by the walls and in the doors of the houses and speak one to another, everyone to his brother, saying, Come, I pray you, and hear what is the word that cometh forth from the Lord? And they come unto thee as the people cometh. And they sit before thee as my people. Listen, and they hear thy words, but they will not do them. For with their mouth they show much love, but their heart goeth away after their covetousness. Lo, thou art unto them as a very lovely song of one that hath a pleasant voice and can play well on an instrument. For they hear thy words, but they do them not. When this cometh to pass, lo, it will come. Then shall they know that a prophet hath been among them. You see, too many people today, 
they don't know spiritual reality in their lives. God is not real to them. Too many, they hear the words of the Lord. They can come along just as these people were. They can come along week after week after week after week and sit and hear God's word with their mouth so they can show much love, but their heart is on other things. You see, it's possible. It's possible for God not to be real in your life. Even when you're one of the most faithful, even when you're there for service after service after service, and you're hearing the words of God, but you're not doing anything with it. You're not doing anything about it. It's possible. We find that these here, their heart, their heart was after other things. They were gathered together. They were coming together with God's people. They were doing all the things they were supposed to, but their heart wasn't in it. Their heart was on the things of the world. Well, they knew the talk, but they weren't walking the walk. They hear the words. He says, but they do them not. If there's to be any reality to our spiritual lives, it can only come when we're not hearers only, but doers of God's word. When we don't just hear the message, but we let that a message be applied to our lives and let it change our lives and let it change the course of our direction. Where and how do we search for the reality of God? And I say this is a profound, it's so simple. One of the first things you got to do is get real yourself. <laughs> Get real yourself. Be honest if you're not where you once were with God. Turn around. Go back to him. Be honest. If you're going through the motions and you're hearing the words, but it's not being applied, you're not being a doer, it's not affecting or changing your life in any way, how can it be real? We read the passage in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 15. If you look back there for just a moment, we find that in that passage, Jesus said something similar in verses 7 to 9. He said, ye hypocrites, well did Esaias prophesy of you, saying, this people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me teaching for doctrines, the commandments of men. I wonder, does our worship time when we come together in church, does it ever just seem so humdrum to you? Does it ever seem like, you know, it's just boring, it's nothing, it's nothing real about it, you're just kind of going through the motions like a bunch of, Stagnant religious stuff? Are you anxious to be here when the church comes together? Are you anxious to truly worship God? You see, yes, we should have a certain amount of accountability and a certain amount of responsibility. If we're a part of a body, then we ought to be there to support that body. 
What I'm saying is there a desire in your heart that you want to meet together with God's people because you want to worship him. You want him to be glorified. That's important to you. You value that. You're anxious to come together that you might magnify and glorify him. Those songs that you're singing, it's not just words that you're reading across the screen up there. It's something that's coming from your heart. You're thinking about those words that you're singing. You're singing them for him. You're singing them to him. You're singing about him. When you come together to worship, do you get excited about what God's word might actually do to your life? Many times we think about the worship as just the, the song time, and then the preacher does his thing. Folks, one of the way to, greatest ways that you can worship God is to let the word of God change your life. Let him be magnified and seen in your life because it's doing something to you. Because it's something that's real. It's not something that's sitting on the shelf that you just take down once a week or twice a week to carry to church with you. But God is real in your life. We find that, I might ask you, <laughs> Is God real to you this evening? Is he real? Is he somebody that you genuinely want to spend time with? Or folks, is it just a dead, stagnant religion? There's too much of that. In fact, all of your lip service, as well as your acts of worship, because we've seen that it's important. It can't just be hearers. You've got to be doers. But may I say that even all of that is useless if your heart isn't in it. There should be a spiritual reality. We should know the reality of God in our worship. Not because that we've got a lot of entertainment going on. Not because that we're doing something that makes our flesh feel good. But because he is being magnified and glorified and, and lifted in our midst. And we're doing that from our heart. You see, how and where do we search for the reality of God? Well, first of all, words aren't enough. It's going to take your whole heart. That's the only way it's ever going to change. God will never, ever be real to you until he gets your heart. And you know that to be wholehearted, it requires some trust. Do you trust God this evening? Because if God's strength, you want a God that's real? You want a God that, that you can see his strength, that you can know that he's there? And it's going to require some trust. Again, in the Old Testament, look with me in the book of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 15. You see, when we trust him wholeheartedly, his strength will be shown. 2 Chronicles chapter 15. Notice what we find in verses 17 to 19. It says, but the high places were not taken away out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was perfect in all his days. 
And he brought into the house of God the things that his father had dedicated and that he himself had dedicated, silver and gold and vessels. And there was no more war unto the five and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa. You see, we see Asa. His whole heart was in it. And he trusted God. Notice in chapter 16, what he tells us in verse 7. And at the time, Hanani the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubians a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thine hand. God delivered them because that you relied upon him. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him, wherein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from henceforth thou shalt have wars. You see, there was a time in King Asa's heart when he trusted God with all of his heart, and God delivered the enemies into his hand. But then when he quit trusting God, that strength was no longer seen. He had to begin fighting those battles all over again. It takes our whole heart. And it takes wholeheartedly trusting him when we are fixed on him. You know, we sing songs like, turn your eyes upon Jesus. But how many times do we really genuinely, in church or out of church, truly, Focus all of our attention upon him. Give him our undivided attention. We find if we look into Psalm 108, King David, the psalm begins with these words, O God, my heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. Awake, psaltery and harp. I myself will awake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the people, and I will sing praises unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great above the heavens, and thy truth reacheth unto the clouds. Be thou exalted, O God, above the heavens, and thy glory above all the earth, that thy beloved may be delivered. Save with thy right hand and answer me. God has spoken in his holiness. I will rejoice. I will divide Shechem and meet out the valley of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim also is thy strength of mine head. Judah is my lawgiver. Moab is my washpot. Over Edom will I cast out my shoe. Over Philistia will I triumph. Who will bring me into the strong city? Who will lead me into Edom? Wilt not thou, O God? Who has cast us off? Wilt not thou, O God, go forth with our host? Give us help from trouble, for vain is the help of man. Through God we shall do valiantly, for he it is that shall tread down our enemies. King David 
to see the strength of God. He had to begin with what he said, my heart is fixed. What is our hearts really fixed on today? What is it that really means so much to us? We find that the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 26, notice what he says in verse 8 and 9. Yea, in the way of thy judgments, O Lord, have we waited for thee. The desire of our soul is to thy name and to the remembrance of thee. With my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me will I speak thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. When was the last time that you lay there at night just transfixed on the glory of the Lord, on what he's done for you, on how much he means? You know, most people know those times in their lives when they've gotten struck by that lightning called love. And somebody's just got their heart and they can't get their mind. They just think about them constantly. They're thinking about all the things they want to do with them. They're there. Why? Because their heart and their mind is fixed on that person. Are we so much in love with God that our hearts and our minds are fixed upon him? I'm saying to you, where and how do we search for the reality of God? Not with just a bunch of religious words but with our whole hearts, when we wholeheartedly would genuinely, truly trust him, when wholeheartedly we are fixed on him, I ask you again, how do we search for spiritual reality? How do we search for a God that's real in our lives? The prophet Jeremiah said, and ye shall seek him and find him when ye shall search for me with all your heart. We can only do that. We can only find him when our heart is in us. I'm not going to turn back and read all the passages you can write them down. You can pick them up on the recording later. We have so many examples in Scripture. We see in Genesis chapter 32, verses 24 to 30, wholeheartedly with the earnestness of a Jacob. In Psalm 27, verses 7 to 14, with the confidence of David. In the passage that we read in the Gospel of Matthew earlier, in Matthew chapter 15, I'd like to pick up and just read a couple of verses where we left off. Matthew chapter 15, notice picking up in verse 21, then Jesus went thence and departed into the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast, and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away 
for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not meet to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she says, Truth, Lord. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. I'm talking about on the one hand, the perseverance that she had. She didn't just give up. The importunity, she kept going back. But also the humility, she couldn't claim of, of Jesus, Lord, please do this because I'm a good person. May not sound very nice, but she just admitted to being a dog. <laughs> she was one of the outcasts. She said, Lord, you know, said, don't the dogs at least get some crumbs? <laughs> That's all I'm asking for. I, I don't deserve a feast. I don't deserve a meal. But I'll settle for just the crumbs. We find that the Gospel of Luke Chapter 18, we find another situation with the widow. In Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 1, and he spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint, saying, There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man. And there was a widow in that city. And she came unto him, saying, Avenge me, mine adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. And the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge saith. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Will he find faith? You see, even Jesus is giving them a story of the importance of not giving up when you search you know, if you're really looking for something, have you, ever, have you ever done anything in your life and, you know, you did it, but it was really you knew even when you did it that it was just a half-hearted attempt. <laughs> you didn't really care how it came out. Your heart wasn't really in it at all. So many times we've got a bunch of stagnant religion that we're dealing with. There's no spiritual reality because we're going about the whole thing just half-hearted. Our whole heart is not in it. Where and how do we search for the reality of God? Not with our words, but with our heart. 
with a heart that trusts him, with a heart that's fixed on him, wholeheartedly, with the earnestness, the confidence, the perseverance, the humility, the importunity, the relentlessness that we see in Scripture. If we do that, the second question, this is what the Word of God shows us. He's the one that said to us, and ye shall seek me and find me when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I've just given you a few illustrations of what it means to really have our heart in this thing. That's the only way that we'll ever know spiritual reality. That's the only way we'll ever truly find a God that's real. I don't care if you're here and you're lost and you've never been saved or you've been saved 50 plus years. It doesn't matter. God must have our heart. That's when he's going to be real to us. What is the result if we search in this way and ye shall seek me and find me? When? You shall search for me with all your heart. You see, you'll find him. You'll find him. You'll find him in that time of contrition, that time of genuine repentance. I'm not talking about just Words that come forth, oh, God, I'm sorry for doing this, and I'm sorry for thinking that, and I'm, I'm sorry for going there, and I want to do better. Deuteronomy chapter 4. Notice what the Word of God says, picking up in verse 22. But I must die in this land. I must not go over Jordan, but ye shall go over and possess that good land. Take heed unto yourselves, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which he made with you, and make you a graven image or the likeness of anything which the Lord thy God hath forbidden thee. For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. When thou shalt beget children and children's children, and ye shall have remain long in the land, and shall corrupt yourselves and make a graven image or the likeness of anything, and shall do evil in the sight of the Lord, thy God, to provoke him to anger. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that ye shall soon utterly perish from the land, where until you go over Jordan to possess it, ye shall not prolong your days upon it, but shall utterly be destroyed. And the Lord shall scatter you among the nations, and ye shall be left few in number among the heathen, whether the Lord shall lead you. There ye shall serve gods. The work of men's hands, wood and stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. But if from thence, notice, thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him, if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. When thou art in tribulation and all these things are come upon thee, even in the latter days, if thou turn to the Lord thy God and shalt be obedient unto his voice. For the Lord thy God is a merciful God. 
He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he sware unto them. You see, if you search for him in this way, you will find him. The psalmist in Psalm 50 and in verse 1, the psalmist writes, The mighty God, even the Lord, hath spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. Notice what he says down in verse 15. And call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. When you search for him with all your heart, you'll find him. You'll find him in the times of contrition. You'll find him in the times of trouble. You'll find him in the times of perplexity. <laughs> you ever been perplexed about something? Just not really known what you were supposed to do? Second Chronicles chapter 20. Notice what he says, picking up in verse 12. Oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do. But our eyes are upon thee. Lord, look at what we've got to deal with. We have no idea what to do. But our eyes are upon you. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeal, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye, all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat, thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Do we believe that? Is God that real to us? I'm saying to him, if we will, truly, genuinely put our heart into it, if we really want to find him, if we really want him to be real, and we search for him with all of our heart, you will find him. He'll be there in your contrition. He'll be there in your trouble, and he'll be there in your perplexity when you don't know what to do. But you can trust him because the battle is his. He's promised to be there. Of course, in the New Testament, in Hebrews chapter 4, notice what he says in verse 16. He says, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You'll find him. He'll be there in the time of your need if you'll search for him with all your heart. Preacher, are the things that will hinder that? Well, yes, and we've looked at some of them. Look with me, if you would, in Psalm 66. You see, 
The thing that will separate you from God more than anything else is one of the shortest words in your vocabulary. It's S-I-N. Sin. It robs us. It robs us of that joy, of that nearness. In Psalm 66, notice what he says beginning in verse 16. He says, Come and hear all ye that fear God, and I will declare what he hath done for my soul. I cried unto him with my mouth, and he was extolled with my tongue. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. But verily God hath heard me. He hath attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, which hath not turned away my prayer, nor his mercy from me. How many times, I'm asking you, how real is God in your life? How real is your prayer life? You see, if you will seek him, if you will search for him with all of your heart, he says you will find him. Even in the midst of your troubles and your problems and your perplexities and all those things, he will be there. You will find him if you're willing to deal with your sin. He says here, if you regard iniquity in your heart, he's not going to hear those prayers. You see, it shuts him off. Will you? I want to give you three verses in closing. You will. You will, but you need something outside of yourself. You see, whether you admit it to yourself or not, we must all come to the point that we recognize and realize ourselves that within our flesh, within that inherited sin that's, that's there, we'll never find God of our own accord. But God has given you a helper this evening. And if you're here and you've never been saved, God has given someone that can bring you directly to Jesus Christ. He's the one that will allow you to see and understand not just here only, but to act upon these words that we've looked at this evening. In Romans chapter 8, and verse 26, the Word of God says, Likewise, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, also helpeth our infirmities. For when we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Christian, every day isn't an easy day. Some days you're going to face some real struggles and some things you're simply not going to be wise enough to even know how to pray for it. Be real with God. Be honest with God. Do you genuinely trust him? Do you genuinely want him to take control of it? Do you really want to give it to him? Just tell him, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle this but I know that you're with me. I trust you with all my heart. And Lord, my heart is fixed upon you. I do want you to be real in my life. Lord, will you pray for me? You see, he says the Holy Spirit within you 
knows how to pray for you when you don't even know how. And he doesn't, he doesn't need words. There's no sound has to come out whatsoever. He says they're not even uttered. But you've got to be honest with God. You've got to truly give it to him. You've got to truly trust him. Whatever it is, give it to him. Notice also in Ephesians chapter 6, we spent a good bit of time in Ephesians this morning, but in Ephesians chapter 6, notice what he says in verse 18. The Bible says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the, what's the next word in your Bible? Spirit. In the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. You see, You've got a helper. You've got a helper this evening. And of course, whatever we're up to, number 53 or 4, whatever it is in our series on contending for the faith, which we began in the book of Jude, I'd like to take you back there for our closing verse this evening to Jude verse 20. Jude verse 20. But ye, beloved building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You see, I'm saying to you this evening, God doesn't need your fancy words. He doesn't need your recipe. He doesn't need your religious formulas. There's too much dead, stagnant religion around as it is. God needs your heart. That's the only way you're ever genuinely going to be born again. You can play at religion your whole life, but one day you'll have nothing to stand before God with except every sin that you've ever committed in this life, though he's done everything to save you from the consequences of that. It doesn't matter if you've heard it. It doesn't matter if you can quote it. It doesn't matter if you can tell it to everybody else. You can't be hearers. You've got to be doers. Has it been applied to your heart? Christian, don't let your spiritual walk become stagnant. Don't let it become just a dead religion that so many are struggling with today. And then we wonder many times in the world around us when we're trying to, to witness and share our faith with others. Why? That they don't want what we've got. Well, if all you've got is a stagnant religion, I don't blame them. Stagnant water even begins to stink after a while. They don't need any dead religion. They truly, they need a God that's real. They need some spiritual reality. How real, honestly, how real is God in your life? Is your life personally, don't think about anybody, is your life personally, is it filled with spiritual reality or is it filled with just a stagnant religion that's not going anywhere and not doing anything? You see, that's how water becomes stagnant. <laughs> it's not moving. It's not going anywhere. There's no action. How real 
do you want God to be in your life? That's kind of a scary question if you get to being honest about it. How real do you want God to be? And I'm asking you for this evening because, you see, according to what he says, and ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart in every place that we've looked, it comes back to the genuineness of that heart. I'm asking you this evening, are you genuinely in search for a God that's real? Is that what you really want? You see, if you want to dump that stagnant religion, if you've been just messing around with Christianity and you truly want a God that's real in your life, you truly want to experience some spiritual reality instead of just stagnant religion, if you're truly in search for a God that's real, then you know what? You've heard from God's word this evening how that can be in your life. But now you've got a choice, just like some of those that we read about. You can hear this evening, and you can walk through those doors and do absolutely nothing about it. And you know what? I'll still love you. These others will still love you. You'll still go about with your stagnant religion that really means nothing, is going nowhere. If you're not careful, it'll begin to stink more and more all the time. Or you can be a doer. Do you really? You know, it's, it is a bit frightening because you know what? Brother Romani, a lot of times God's going to change some things. <laughs> he changes us from the inside out. <laughs> You know, you, you can't have God involved in your life and be the same old fleshly carnal person. Do you really want God to be real? Do you want something besides a stagnant religion that isn't going anywhere and isn't doing anything for you? Do you really want that in your heart? Then it's up to you this evening to ask. Turn from your sin if that's what's holding you back. Trust him. Put your faith and trust in what Jesus Christ did. Doesn't matter how many times you've been baptized. Doesn't matter how many churches you've been a part of. Have you ever humbled yourself before God as a sinner and sought forgiveness that you didn't deserve because of his mercy, because of his love, because of his grace, and that he'll give it to you because not what you did or are doing or will ever do, but because of what Jesus did. Folks, it's not yours automatically. I said this morning so simply, it can be the most valuable thing in the world if I'm offering it to you. It can be yours. It can have your name all over it. It can be there to meet every need that you'd ever have that's possible and it can be yours, and I can tell you it's yours, but if you won't receive it, it'll never do you any good, even if it's able to accomplish everything that your life ever needs. Folks, Jesus is real, and God is real. That's what you need, and that's what the world needs, and you can have him. 
He says, if you'll seek for him, if you'll look for him with all your heart, you'll find him. Father, we thank you this evening, this simple verse, Lord, and I know that we've taken and we've tried to look throughout Scripture where, Lord, not just hearing that verse, but seeing it put into action, seeing the reality of it. Lord, you know the hearts. You knew who would be here tonight before you laid this sermon upon my heart. You know the need of each heart that's here. Lord, I pray earnestly for anyone here that's never truly been born again. And Nicodemus went and he asked that simple question, how? How could he inherit the kingdom of God? How could he go to heaven? Jesus said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born again. There's no other way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Lord, you know the hearts here this evening. I pray that your spirit would show that one that's God's not real to them. They may have experienced a lot of stagnant religion, but God's never been real to them. They may have acknowledged that he's there. They may have had conversations with him. They may have done religious things, but he's not been real to them. Father, I do pray this evening that you would speak to their heart as only you can right now. You would let them realize that and understand that. And Father, that they would not just hear these words and do nothing about it, but that they would act upon it this evening. That they would genuinely with their whole heart put their trust in Jesus Christ. And Father, for every Christian here, you know the struggles, the battles, the difficulties, the things they're each one going through right now. If they're backslidden, if they're away, help them to turn around. Father, whatever their need might be, may you get a hold of our hearts this evening. May our hearts be fixed on you. May you be real in our lives. May our Christian faith and our Christian walk be a, a spiritual reality, not just a stagnant religion. We give you the praise and thanks for it. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.